Welcome back or welcome to the Micro Leadership Podcast. In this series, we will be talking to leaders from a whole range of different disciplines and different businesses. We'll be trying to understand how they got to do what they do now and what their journey has been like. Each conversation will focus on each person's story, the challenges they faced, the successes they've achieved, the failures they've come through, and of course, what they've learned along the way. Each of these conversations will be designed to help you to understand the journey that others take to become great leaders, so you can learn to develop and become an even better leader yourself. We really hope you enjoy this conversation. In this conversation, I'm talking to Rob Davis. Rob is going to share with us his story of how he has shifted from a vocation that he set out for to a career that's taken him all across the globe, managing call centers and customer experience, and how the two at first appear really disconnected, but how he has discovered the connections that sit within as he started to explore the reasons why he does what he does. He's going to share with us three great principles that should be the foundations for most leadership practice and are certainly three great principles that we can all learn from. So without further ado, let's jump straight into the conversation with Rob and explore his story of how he does what he does. So welcome, Rob. Thanks for uh, joining me on the Micro Leadership Podcast. It's really great to, uh, to have you on. Hi, Hayden. Yeah, no, it's great, to, it's great to be on. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome. So, as you know, this podcast is really about um, people and leadership. But with Series 2, we're really looking into the reasons why people do what they do and a little bit into their story. So share with me a little bit of your background. Tell us a little bit about the role you, that you do and kind of how you got there. Uh, yeah, well, well I, the, the role I'm doing at the moment, so I'm director of customer operations for a private equity company. So uh, basically running call centers um, in different uh, continents, actually. So up until the middle of March, I did an awful lot of traveling, but that's changed somewhat in the last uh, few months for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and then and prior to that, that, that's pretty much what I've been doing most of my sort of working career for, for 20 years or so. So working, running sort of large call centers, um, some of them abroad. So I've, I've, I've lived and worked in Antigua in the Caribbean, Bulgaria, Southern Ireland. Uh, I've also, you know, um, a, a lot of it's been in the, the gambling industry, which is, is hence how we met. Um, so for William Hill, for Labbrooks. Um, yeah, and really running customer service call centres, customer service contact centres, customer service operations. Uh, yeah, across the across the world I guess yeah absolutely so it's a it's a fascinating background that you have and I say we had the, the real pleasure to work together um, when we were both uh, at William Hill so what what attracted you to get into kind of customer experience particularly well it, it, it's it's funny you ask this question because I think we've had a conversation a few weeks ago about this and I, I and we were talking about whether people have a sort of vocation and I always felt that I had a vocation and, and, and bizarrely the vocation was nothing to do with customer service or customer experience. It was I wanted to be a, an academic philosopher. 
mm. and I wanted to be uh, an academic political philosopher. So, yeah, right through from sixth form for studying at university for, for years uh, and, and teaching at university, that was sort of my vocation, solving these like big, abstract, difficult problems. And I thought, and I sort of thought when that ended and, and, and I didn't pursue it and I didn't continue into teaching I sort of I felt like I fell into the gambling industry and I sort of fell into running call centers and customer operations I was lucky enough to get on a graduate scheme with William Hill and I, I, I've always thought I sort of I mean it's sold out it's probably not a big word but I, I sort of felt I had something I genuinely wanted to do and something I was passionate about and then I've sort of fallen into into something else and it's not in, in any stretch that I don't enjoy it and get a lot of, of, of pleasure and challenge from what I do mm. um, but then the more I thought about it uh, and it was you who prompted to think about they're actually not as dissimilar these two like completely things that I thought were completely different and and they're not dissimilar in two respects one is I think the sort of process that you go through in trying to solve problems about how you create a great customer experience or how you deliver great service across different channels across different countries is in a sense it's it's a, a much more concrete problem than a sort of abstract theoretical problem but some of the tools you use you know trying to apply logic trying to apply evidence trying to apply structure to it is actually not dissimilar um, mm. so so I, I I thought that was interesting and then I actually thought about well what specifically was I studying and what specifically what was I um, interested in it and 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 the concepts were so one was about toleration and, mm -hmm. and well it, my, my PhD was actually about toleration it was about why you should be tolerant and why why what are the arguments for and against toleration and mm. you might think that's got absolutely nothing to do with leadership <laughs> but but actually I think it it has and the reason I think it has is because as as you know in a working environment and I guess much in in, in any environment you um there's disagreement and people have different opinions of what mm. to do um, and, um, and 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 the interesting characteristic of toleration is that you actually have to dislike or disagree with something to be tolerant of it yeah so so just to give a, a trivial example my, my son uh, much to my displeasure has decided not to support Bolt Wanderers uh, he's decided to support well it sort of changes between Liverpool and Barcelona and, and whoever's winning um, so I sort of tolerate the fact that he supports these teams that are Bolton Wanderers. Yeah. But if he supported Bolton Wanderers, I wouldn't be tolerant of it at all because I, I agree with him. I think that's absolutely the team to support. Given Bolton Wanderers' current record, I can I sort of understand the reasons why he doesn't want to yeah. support Bolton Wanderers and he chooses to support Liverpool or Barcelona or whatever the flavour of the week is. Um, but if you think about, as a leader, you're, you know, particularly the people who work with you, there, there's disagreement there. And it's easy as a leader to say, no, actually, we should do it this way for this reason. And, and I, I, I'm the leader. And, and, and I guess the, another characteristic of toleration is, is, is your tolerance for something when you have the capacity to change it. So as a leader, you know, particularly with the people who work for you, those, those power relations are unbalanced just naturally. So you have, yeah. the, you have the say over their career. Uh, yeah. So if you can say, no, I don't want to do it this way. I want to do it my way. Um, and then, and I think the, the bit about toleration there is why shouldn't you? So why shouldn't you just do it your way? And, and mm. in terms of toleration, there's normally, there's 
various different arguments put as to why you should tolerate other things. And I think, I think the three that I just mentioned that I think are important to the way I think people should be led. Um, one is this idea of, of autonomy. So one is the idea is people have a capacity to make free choices and that's really important and that's, that's yep. sort of what makes you human. Um, and if you stifle that, that capacity to make free choices, that's a, it's a bad thing. So as a mm. leader, if you just tell people what to do rather than let them figure it out for themselves or give them the space to make their own decisions. And, and I think as leaders, you always there's always that tension between doing what you think is right, but also giving people the scope to find things out for, their, for themselves and do things their own way. And I think you know, I, I know one of the things we've been talking about recently with, with my team is how you set objectives that meet that criteria whereby you, you, you give them enough freedom. And I, I mean, I've worked in environments where you had like hundreds of metrics that you had to meet. Yeah. And, I, and I, I found that really difficult because there just wasn't a huge amount of autonomy or freedom to do what you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, whereas what we've done with the team now is set them a very, very broad objective. So I said, uh, resolution of queries, we want to be 75%. Mm -hmm. How you do it, it, it is your choice. And I, and I find it difficult at times because I sort of think, well, if it's me, I'd do it this way and that way yeah. and this way. And I'm consciously trying to give them the autonomy to do it themselves and, and sort of leave them to it. So, yeah. so that autonomy piece, I think, is important about the way I like to be led and the way I think people ought to be led. And it connects to this, this sort of stuff I studied years ago that seemed completely irrelevant. Uh, to what I do now. Um, the, the second one is about this idea of, of fallibilism. So fallibilism is the idea that, that there is a right way to do things, uh, but it's really, it, we don't always know and we don't always get it right. Um, mm. and, and, and sometimes people worry about that and think that just means that you don't know what right is. And, and, and yeah. it's not that, it's about saying there is a right and a wrong, but sometimes it's difficult and sometimes we make mistakes and sometimes it's wrong. So having that is a reason why you, you, you want to give people freedom and space because mm. you don't necessarily know the right answer. You, and I think people naturally defer to leaders and think, yeah, he's my boss, he must know the right answer. And, and, yeah. and I don't, I genuinely yeah. don't about a lot of the times. And, yeah. and, and I think that is a, you know, an important reason why you want to give people freedom, why you want to have debate about things, why you want to you know, have an environment where you can criticise one another and, and, and a, a, a safe space where you can do that. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, so, so autonomy is one thing. This fallibilism sort of idea is another mm. one. And the other one is, is sort of diversity. So why, why do you want to have people doing their own thing, whereas actually yeah. rather than people just doing what they're told? Yeah. Uh, and, and, I mean, I've been reading uh, Rebel Ideas by Matthew Syed recently, yeah. and that's about the great book the, yeah it is a great book and it talks about the value of diversity and the value of having lots of different ideas and 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 if you work with the same people who have sort of similar ideas or similar approach whilst it might be really comfortable and you might get mm. on like a house on fire and go for beers after work actually having people who who criticize and it is yeah you know there's someone i'm specifically thinking about on my team who's who's really good at sort of pointing out where I go wrong and make yeah. mistakes and at times it's really irritating and frustrating and I'm like I'll just get on with it <laughs> but actually actually the value of that person to the team is huge because yeah. she's prepared to challenge and prepared to 
to make me think about looking things from the other way and, and, and so so all those things i think and it you know so the conversations we've had recently have sort of made me think about i haven't had two careers i've sort of had one career that that looked very disjoint but actually uh, what i do now is is similar it's just the same values that are important and yeah. the same sort of process that's important so that's a very long answer to a, a short question no great and and what i love is as you say, you set out with one kind of intention or direction. And like so many people who I talk to, that that the DNA of what you're trying to create stays fairly consistent, but how it yeah. shows up or how it's expressed tends to, to be very different from what maybe the original intention is. But I love those three aspects. And I think I just want to call them out because I, you know, I don't want our listeners to, to lose these things. So having as a basis of, of a leadership principles, autonomy, fallibility, and diversity. I mean, those, those are three powerhouse principles to have as the basis for any leader's approach to, to, to the way they lead people, to give people space and freedom to make choices, to understand that people will make mistakes and we're also prone to mistakes as well. So we're all fallible. We're not going to get things right every time. And then to embrace the fact that people think differently to the way you think. I mean, those are three amazing principles that leaders need. And, and, and I also think it's sort of what I need. So if you look at what I've done, where I've, I've sort of struggled is where I haven't had autonomy and, and, mm. and, and been given, I, you know, in the role I'm in at the moment, I've got uh, um, the person I work for is really good at this. And, and I've, had, I've had bosses before who've been really good at just sort of giving me the freedom to do what I want to do if, if, if I think it's the right thing to do but being there as a, a sounding board and a coach to discuss things and discuss things and also the sort of diverse thing you think about well you've gone and lived in you know completely different countries mm. and and absorbed completely different cultures and and actually having and then the role I'm in now although I'm predominantly well I certainly am at the moment I'm based here yeah. uh, you know that that breadth of knowledge and, and understanding and learning you get from travel and, and, and different cultures is, is really important to me. Yeah. And so within this role that you're doing now, so how this is, is kind of expressed, this desire to look into complex issues and, and create solutions, which is kind of what, how you've expressed this um, philosophical side to what you do. Mm. What's the thing that you enjoy most about it and then what's the biggest challenge well i think i mean in terms of challenges there, there's a uh, sort of one more general challenge that I, that I think ties in a little bit with what i've been talking about and, and one is um sort of how do you make these complex decisions and i think what we tend to do in businesses is make decisions a lot on it on, on our sort of intuition and, and inevitably yeah. our intuition is is founded upon lots of sort of perceptual biases and lots of you know stuff going on there that that doesn't necessarily allow us to make the best decisions and and this links to this idea of, of sort of searching for the truth and, and being fallible and, and knowing you're wrong and I think part of the solution is is to be able to agree a method between you to, to find the right solution and mm. and that sort of comes down to this idea of data-driven decisions to me it's like yeah. you know there are amazing power amazingly powerful tools out there to help you make a decision to help you decide what marketing campaign we should do or should we deploy 
proactive chat on our website. Um, mm -hmm. And often we sort of make those decisions off the cuff because we sort of think, oh, we, someone else did it or our competitors yeah. have done it. And, and I, I think to be able to make decisions that are data-driven um, and use statistical tools is, is hugely valuable. It's not something that I'm massively familiar with. I'm actually at, at, at the moment doing a, an online course with Harvard Business School on business analytics, which is, mm. you know, the maths is <laughs> I'm struggling with a bit, to be honest. But yeah. it, it, some of the tools like multiple regression analysis, which sounds really abstract, is actually a really powerful tool that's trying to understand what's driving something and, and yeah. causality. Um, so I think in terms of big decisions and challenges, I think how just, you know, the, the very how we make decisions itself is really difficult. Mm. Um, a, a sort of more, maybe not mundane, but a, a sort of a lesser level, I think at the moment, given what's happened over the last few months, the challenge of, of having people working from home is, is really big for us. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's not just about um, the, the sort of mechanics of, of, of training people. It's more about that sort of employee experience. And, and what we're finding is our mature experience guys apart from the technical problems of getting mm -hmm. calls to them and getting chats and stuff like that uh, it's actually okay and we can do it um it's more about bringing people on board and and, yeah. and not being able to physically train them in a location and, and induct them into the culture of the organization and make them feel who they're working for is a sort of credible organization and and that that's the challenge because we're looking at you know potentially other locations where we might not have a, a physical footprint and yeah. um and, and some of that, yeah, it, it is a is a, a difficult challenge, and it, but applying that sort of logical framework to try and try and solve the problem is, it, you know, it has parallels with stuff I've done in different businesses or you know, yeah, or as an academic. And, and having done, obviously, spent a little bit of time with with your business as well, I know how important that sense of belonging is to your culture in in your business. And one of the hardest things, and I've been doing some work on this recently, is how do you create a sense of belonging where people don't have the physical connection to the space because our brains create patterns and the way they work is they 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 associate with different things and when you don't have that physical association so just going into an office and drinking a mug that's branded as the company you're in because that's what they've got yeah. there automatically tells your brain that's where you belong when you don't have that when you're in your own environment you don't have the same connections to it so yeah how do you that, create them? yeah i mean that, that's a really interesting insight i hadn't really thought about and actually you know, next week we we are we're, we're starting to kick some of this stuff off, and, and and one of the challenges I've set the team is how do we create that, and how do we create that, and actually using that language. You know, and maybe it is a, a mug or a you know a, mm. a screensaver or something like that to make them feel they belong as part of a a, a bigger organisation. Yeah, and it's it, it's really important. I say it's the thing that I think particularly new people coming into organisation, and say for existing staff or, or team members they will have that association already because they've had that time and their brains already formed the pattern. But for new people, it's helping them have that connection yeah. to, to yeah. what you're doing. And, and what I loved about your, um, the other side of, of, of your answer was the importance of being data-driven because yeah. every business has got lots of great brains in there and all of those great brains form opinions. And everybody believes their opinion is going to be right because why would you form opinion otherwise <laughs> exactly and that's and it, where it becomes a challenge in many businesses and it sort of comes down to that idea of toleration again is, mm -hmm. is that why should you 
when you think you're right and and and, and we're all human beings and when someone tells us they think you, you you you've done something wrong or they disagree with you it it's sort of painful but if you can sometimes look beyond that accept that you might not be right about this and actually the other points the first person's viewpoint might be right and try and understand that and try and understand how you could have done things differently i think there's huge value in that yeah there's a phrase that i've used for a while and it's only really having spoken to you last time we 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 discussed and, and today there's a phrase i use which is to have a an attitude of positive intolerance <laughs> and positive intolerance is to be unaccepting of just things not being good enough but do it with the positive intent that you want to improve things and it's a phrase i've used for a long while and it seems to resonate a lot with what you're what you're talking about yeah yeah and and, and having that debate and critical mm. you know and, and they can be difficult conversations sometimes but if if you're all committed to the that outcome of seeking the truth and seeking the right answer and doing things better and and improving you know the business and yourself then then i think it can be done in the right in the right spirit absolutely and so i'm just really interested to share because we had a, a a coaching session and, and obviously we talked about this but i just want to kind of um what's the thing you've learned over the last kind of few weeks as you've started to really reflect on the start of your career and where your career has taken you what's the thing you've learned most about yourself well i think you know i think you know some of it is is actually not you know to feel that you're what you're doing now is sort of second best to what you what hmm. you're doing and you you've not got a vacation and and really to understand and and i and i guess it's human beings we want to tell our we want our lives to have some sort of narrative structure don't we we want them to have a sort of a beginning a middle and an end yeah. and and i think that's helped me understand sort of who i am and 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 what's important to me and and sort of where i'm going and 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 you know knowing being out of focus down on those values that are important to me actually then helps you make decisions in the future so um I mean, actually, before this, a, a year or two ago, I was offered an opportunity to work for a, a company, and um, and one of the things that was very characteristic of that company was it was it was led by a very strong and um, sort of quite feared leader, uh, mm -hmm. and the company was hugely successful, and um, and um, and I and, and the person who talked to me into into to, or, or at the interview said, look, you know, this person is, is a really shrewd operator, you know, fantastically intelligent, but, you know, you've just got to accept you're not going to get a huge amount of freedom and sometimes you're going to get a bit of a rollicking and you're going to go home and kick the dog. And and, and, yeah. and, and I, I sort of thought, look, I know what environments are important to me and I know having autonomy and having a bit of space to, to do my own thing, you know, and, and do things in the way I think they should be done. But in line with what the, the overarching uh, goal of the business is and, and, and talking about that 75% objective for my team and, yeah. and that stuff's important to me. And actually, I thought, look, this is just not going <laughs> to work, work for me. And, yeah. and actually, you know, having the confidence to do that, we come with a bit of maturity at actually saying what's important to me. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, the last few weeks has really solidified that, you know, and, and actually even having this conversation right now and, 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 and doing a bit of preparation for it, sort of, you know, this idea of fallibility, this idea of, uh, of autonomy um, and, and diversity, those are the three sort of, you know, that's the framework in which I want to work and that's 
the environment I want to create for other people and the environment I want for myself. Absolutely. Yeah. And you used the word right at the beginning of our conversation of um, feeling like you, you, you sold out or sell out. Yeah. And I think that's what we recognize as we mature is what selling out really is, is not being true to what matters to us. Yeah. That's when we sell out. It's not about a chosen career path. It's when we, it's when we, we give up on our values to, for, for the pound note. That's, that's when we sell out. Yeah. So Rob, been great. Listen, and and there's been really, uh, you know, you've given so many good insights into, um, into your own thinking and how you connected these different things up. And also, you know, just a, a brilliant three simple point framework. So if I can ask you, what would be the, the, the kind of one piece of advice to those listening to this podcast that you would give? What would it be? What's the one thing that you would share with people? It's funny when, when I'm thinking about this, I mean, this, this, this question is sometimes framed as, as, or a similar question that I've been asked before is what advice would you give to your sort of uh, future self? Mm. And, and I'm thinking about it in that context and thinking that's the sort of, that is the answer really. Think of yourself as your future self. So I think at times in, in, in our work and our life and our, our careers, little things can seem, you know, stressful and, and, and overwhelming and, and difficult. And, and actually, you know, I was thinking right at the beginning of the week, and it was a really trivial thing, but I was trying to pull together a meeting of, of sort of various different teams and, and, and some were a bit more uh, reticent to, to meet and, and discuss than others. And, and mm. it was sort of, you know, I was getting frustrated about this. this and, and, and I sort of thought, look, by the end of the week, this will have resolved itself and you will have reached a solution and you'll have the meeting and, and it, it, there'll be a constructive dialogue. It might not go quite the way you, you planned. Um, and I think, I, I think that's what I'd sort of say, or that's the thing I've, I've learned most is sometimes take, take the longer view or take the bigger view and think yeah. about it when you're 65 and hopefully you're on a cruise ship. I've always wanted to go to Australia, so I sort of envisage myself on a plane to Australia yeah. and sort of thinking, and, and, and the thing that is bothering me now about my um, career or about my, you know, what's going on at work is actually, it's actually, it sort of shrinks down in, in significance. And, and hopefully my, you know, my beautiful wife and my, my lovely two children who will be probably quite a bit older by then, they probably won't want to come. Um, but they'll, they'll be with me and, and that will yeah. sort of, you know, and, and coming back to what you said about, you know, what's valuable and what's important. And, and also this idea of your life as a narrative or a story. Mm. Um, it's like, actually, the story will have a, a happy ending. And, and actually, in the happy ending, the things that, that actually don't seem that important and no. won't seem that important. So I think, I think that, that, that's probably the, the message that I'd give is, is sort of, I, I guess, to use the phrase i hate don't sweat the small stuff but it it, it it's been out to see your your life in in a broader context and actually things that are stressful or difficult at one point in time actually in the in the broader cycle yeah no less so and that so wonderful tip and it's a and it's a great psychological framework actually to work from which is to create perspective on your life because when you're in it it feels like everything is overwhelming but when you take yourself out of it um in a psychological um approach yeah. then you create perspective uh, and yeah. that's you know that that's the great thing so imagine your you know the future's your future self how important is this right now to your future yeah. self is a great and question yeah. asking yourself yeah. and, it, yeah. and it's, 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 it's often not very important yeah 
or not anywhere near as important as you it feels like it yeah. is at the moment in time yeah. rob this has been absolutely brilliant i've really loved hearing you talk about this only we've had a previous conversation but actually the way you brought this together today is really kind of um for me create some great insights so i just want to say a huge thank you for you for uh, coming on and sharing sharing that if people want to find out more about you or get in touch and maybe want to continue this conversation in person with you how would they get hold of you what's the best uh, way for them to contact yeah you? yeah by all means I, I, I mean you'll attach my linkedin profile to, mm. to this so yeah contact me through linkedin uh or you can add my my sort of personal email address and um yeah i mean i mean if anyone fancies a coffee i'm in lamington spa i don't think i'm going anywhere <laughs> outside of the country for a while so yeah i'd, I'd love to continue the conversation and thank you thank you for having me i really enjoyed it no great i, I say i really appreciate it. it's been really good to, to hear from you so uh, so thank you all right cheers Aiden. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as we did. And if you have, then we'd love you to go to your podcast platform of choice and give us a rating. And what's more, if you've got friends who you know would also appreciate hearing the kind of stories of leaders who are making it in their particular chosen field and will benefit from listening in, then tell them all about it. The only way that we can grow this podcast is through you helping us to get the word out there. So we'd really appreciate if you can share it with those people you know who would also benefit from listening in. Thanks very much and we look forward to sharing our next conversation with you.